The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Little bitty news. There's nothing big. Nothing really big happened this week. No, not like a lot. I mean, last they, last week we got the the Hugo nominees announced. Right. Was that last week? That was last week. Yeah. Yeah. My how time flies. And there is certainly um, a lot of little news. I mean, it's not, not not. And when I say little, I don't mean unimportant. I mean, there's just nothing like here is the thing. You know, yeah. everyone has to talk about this thing the now. Groundbreaking. Right. Changes the world forever. Well, Where? I guess I guess part of that would be, you know, the fact that uh, Captain America: Civil War is tracking for two hundred and sixty some odd million overseas before it even opens in the United States and China. Yeah. This weekend. Yeah, and um, all the reviews have been very very positive. Mm. I don't. Think, have we seen any that have been? No. I think, well, I think the worst last, I've seen is that the first half is doesn't move terribly fast. Last time I checked, it had it had a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, nobody doesn't like this. That's good. That's that's good. It's like Sarah Lee. Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. <laughs> nobody doesn't like. Are we getting Captain paid? America. Are we getting paid by Sarah Lee? I wish. Let's see, we think I we could wish. be paid in Sarah Lee. Um, one thing where where I want to I want to start. Um, first of all, I guess we should in, in, introduce ourselves. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm sitting across from Timothy Harvey. Hello. This is episode 112. Mm-hmm. Um, we are coming up very close to episode 115, in which we will give away a superhero stuff hero box because that episode is our 100th episode with superhero stuff as a sponsor. We do appreciate their support throughout the, oh, what, two, two years now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. <sighs> Just time flies. I know. <laughs> they're going, man, two years. Well, and, they, and they've been a great sponsor to have for two years because not yep. only is it genre stuff, but it's stuff that we go to the website and go, I want one of those. Well, and we, and we have a bunch <laughs> of stuff. We, we get some stuff. Um, I think we need to, to add to our Funko Pop pile. Uh, our, our collection there is, is steadily growing, but we need to add to that. Probably, probably need to add some Captain America Civil War figurines. We'll go check that out. Um, 115, I was in error a while back. I think I said that we were going to be recording episode 115 at Planet Comic Con, which turns out... Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Planet Comic Con is not next week. It's week after next, right? Right. Yeah, no, it's not next week. So this is 112. Right. Next week will be 113. Right. Then we record 114 on Thursday the 19th, like we'd normally do on our regular schedule. Mm-hmm. So that does put 115 at planning. Right. Because yeah. that, w- gonna, that would be the we Saturday. Were, okay. Right. All right. All right. So I did have that right. <sighs> hey, after a while, you, the math just doesn't work. I mean, I'm telling you. Wait, uh, what, what, I need, what I need is coffee with vitamin B and vitamin E. If I could have, if, if that, my... that's what we need, because you know, vitamin B for the for the immune and, mm-hmm. and the energy and stuff, and vitamin E for the memory, in coffee, and 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 if, I would be fine. If we could just put in some ibuprofen in there, I would be. Cool. <laughs> there you go. Yes, excellent. I think it'd be just, excellent. It would cover all my bases, and I and, and some and some uh, uh, pseudoephedrine. 
that that's just, this is this is the this is the morning drink that I require. <laughs> there you go. Someone there you make, go. Someone make this for me. Uh, internet, make it happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I, there's a Kickstarter right there. Uh, or <laughs> I, I, I know, right? I would donate to that. Yes. I'm gonna have to. What would you call it? What would you call it? Um, the drink. <laughs> I mean, a, a morning fizzbin. We'll call it the morning fizzbin. The morning fizzbin. There yes. we go. Uh. Uh, that sounds. That actually sounds like a podcast title. You, well, see, if the we, morning fizzbin. If we did a morning show, uh, I've already got. I've already got the name picked out for our morning show. If we ever get around to doing it, it's going to be called Good Morning Multiverse. There we go. I'm fine with that. And uh, it'll be Monday through Friday, from. Too early to too early. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll like find I, somebody else to do it. Like I do. Yeah, I was going to say because yeah. <laughs> I'm already doing too early, too early, yeah. and I'm not even getting to record anything. Oh, uh, I tell you. Yeah, no, it's it's we today's been has been especially long. It's five a.m. day, and uh, then uh, worked, of course, and then came back here, and we 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 earlier recorded a interview with uh, uh, writer director. Um, um, Michael Chavez, Michael Chavez, who is almost said Michael Shabon. <laughs> That'd be a different interview. Yes, I'll be cool though. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, um, director, writer, director of the Maiden, uh, which is a short film. We'll see. You'll see a lot more of this over in the the horror for me side of things. Um, part of the short sharp shock series of film, short films that we're planning on. Oh, is that out. what we're calling yeah. it? Short sharp, short sharp, short sharp. <laughs> say that. Oh say my that God. Ten times short fast. sharp shocks. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, okay. uh, kind of a neat little thing that we can do for uh, highlighting short. We're, we're, there's a lot of neat stuff starting to happen over on the horror side. So of now I got to design a banner. I already built one. Oh, you yeah, did? Yeah, really? I did. Yeah. So, does uh, it conform to our online guidelines? Uh, we'll have to take a look, make sure size that it does. and everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a neat. Um, it was a neat conversation, and luckily, with the exception of pausing and, and processing way too often, um, it was a good way to end a long work day. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then recording this. And speaking of endings, yes, we have to send out our condolences to the staff at sfsignal.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, we're learning today, Steve Davidson over at Amazing Stories... Uh, posted posted this shared this on his Facebook and I and I gotta say I as as much as I respect what Steve's doing over at Amazing Stories and and they're really piling on the success over there because mm-hmm. I, I think in is it NBC is bringing back the Amazing Stories TV anthology I think so yeah. and they had to do a deal to mm-hmm. to be able to use the the thing and they're gonna do some print stuff and he's really kicking it over there mm-hmm. but the more I read what he writes about the Hugos the less respect I have for him. Because he is just full of snark and vinegar over this whole thing. And I'm thinking, you know, whatever your position is on the Hugos, on either side of it, if you can't be respectful and if you can't be constructive in your criticism of the other side or the process Mm -hmm. or specific people or whatever... Then why are you even bothering? But then it's the internet. Well, yeah, the internet is uh, uh, a dark and scary place that yeah. we should all have an adult with. And this dark and scary place has sucked up a website. Uh, SF Signal, John John Donardo and JP France writing on their site. Uh, they started back in 2003, which is six years before we started. Mm-hmm. SF Signal, of course, uh, is an online magazine that 
I guess they do a lot of different things, but they publish short short fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, you know, they they've had guest contributors and they've had staff and all of that. And they said it was a very hard decision to make, but we have decided to close down SF Signal. The reason is boringly simple: time. As the blog has grown, so has its demands for our attention. That is, time we would rather spend with our families. We considered scaling back posts, but it felt like SF Signal would only be a shadow of its former self. So yes, it feels sudden, but a cold turkey exit seems like the right thing to do. So. Well, we've seen seen this happen a couple of different places. DrWhoTV.com, mm-hmm. um, which had a lot of early news stuff. Right. Um, they've scaled back considerably. Um, they were publishing, you know, gosh, two or three articles a day and, and getting a lot of, getting a lot of reader articles in, but, uh, that seems to have, they've gone really, really scaled back. Um, you know, that's, that's something that we haven't done a whole lot of is reader contributed content. No. And I think some of these folks, they've definitely built up that, uh, um, that kind of reader feedback, which we would like more of. Oh, yeah, we absolutely. Def- we always yes. want to get more feedback from Speaking you Speaking of which, H2O at SciFiForMe.com. That's right. We want to hear what you think. We want to, we want, we want to, uh, we want you to tell us when we think we're really awesome, where you think we're really <laughs> not. So, But, but mostly awesome. Mostly awesome, yes. Yeah. Okay. Nice things. And your mother always told you to say nice things to people. Mm. And Speaking of which. Yes. Uh, we have been talking uh, over here at, in in the video game office, mm-hmm. the video game unit, about our new endeavor. Right. Over on Twitch.tv. Right. We are about to launch a Twitch channel. And uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is the fact that, you know, this being the internet, uh, whenever we have... Uh, Gameplay. Whenever we do live gameplay, mm-hmm. and it's one of our female staffers playing mm-hmm. the game, there uh, the the mention has been made several places. Uh, probably would be a good idea to have a moderator for the chat. You know, so there's not you know Sad, a lot of but true. So we came up with a few rules mm-hmm. for chatting, mm-hmm. and you know, for being in the chat room. Right. And uh, you know, so we're we're working back and forth on that and figuring out just exactly how we're going to enforce this and, and whatever. But the the fact that we even need a moderator, I mean, yes, sad but true, we are going to need need something like that. But then it goes into man hours, right? And manpower and making sure that there's enough people to do it. And I can I can completely sympathize with the guys over at SF Signal. Because how many how many times have we tried to populate uh, a, an event or a function or something, oh, sure. and it's like, hey, who can who can make it to this stuff? Who can who can go and do things? So yeah, I, I feel bad for the guys. Well, and I think that it's it's it kind of comes at an interesting time because we last week was also the week that Charlie Jane left io9. Yep. Um, although she said she's going to stop in and write stuff for them occasionally, but she's got to, she's got to work on her novel. She's got things to do, right? You know, and and as Jason can tell you, um, if you are an editor, uh, <laughs> it eats up a bit of your time, a bit, a bit. So I completely understand that, but it's a, it's it's very much a change 
it's the culmination of a long series of changes. Well, and a lot of people, I? a lot of people, not happy that Rob Bricken is in charge now. I don't. I'm not. I. I don't mind Rob's stuff so much. I mean, I don't always agree with him, yeah. but um, I also, I'm also not one of those people who needs to go to the internet to find everybody I agree with. <laughs> um, That's just crazy. Talk. And and you know what I, you know what I don't do? I don't mm. make comments. I I, I, I hardly do ever anymore. Um, I don't even have, even even the. You know, it, and it's so it's so tempting right now, of course, because we're in the middle of political stupid season, um, that the urge is often there to say something, but I just don't because yeah. as much as as much as I, as much as I'm more than happy to post something on like Facebook, you know, whatever my opinion is, I'm not going to go wading into a comment field anywhere. Oh yeah, I don't care if it's my parents' Lutheran church in Wichita. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I could go onto onto the the church bulletin board, somebody, and say something yeah. you know that I think is going to be innocuous, and then suddenly to be like, "You're a monster, pastor! Stop saying me!" <laughs> it's, it, it's the internet. It, it, the it, Reverend Smithy recognized <laughs> me and punched me in the nose. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to reach. You know, the, the internet seems to allow. Um, our, our, our our younger listeners are not going to get that reference. I know <laughs> they are not. How sad is that? Um, Oh, God, if, that's if terrible, you, if, actually. If, if you get that reference, send us an email, h2o.com, uh-huh. or leave a comment and let us know that you got that. And we will... We will. The prize is a little fun. There we go. Yeah, or, yeah it's... it's. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's it's very... <clears throat> I read I read a lot of the comments on, on a lot of different sites, and I look at the stuff at io9, um, especially with the with the changes and the announcements and things like that, because it's, it's been quite a bit. Um, you and I have sat there because we are in the same business. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, not going to sit there and say we're like a competitor, but we've been very, very happy whenever we beat them. Yes. Yeah, we've, we've gotten the story before they did. Uh, yeah, we did, as we did with the Hugo nominees. Yeah, and we had a Doctor Who story a while back, uh, two or three years ago, yeah. <laughs> that I did. Um, well, and we even scooped Marvel on their own announcement one time. I know. We that's... beat them by about five minutes. That was so funny. It was South by Southwest when they announced mm-hmm. the new, all the all their augmented reality stuff. Right. We had somebody there on the panel texting me as the announcements were going on, and I was taking that, and I was just mm-hmm. I was putting it all into right. a piece. And so as soon as it was all done, okay, the, the panel's over. That's it, finished. And I publish <laughs> and then i looked <laughs> at the time later. step five minutes later there's marvel so it's it's the the market changes the environment changes people come and go i mean we've certainly seen a lot of the folks a lot of the any of these sites mm-hmm. um that have been around for a while there's personalities yeah. and i think the personalities become a lot of the the draw whether you know if you if you do it right and i would hope that people are listening to this <laughs> show for example well they're listening to it because they 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 find the discussions you and I have interesting. I would and, hope so. And the stuff that we talk about, and then our, you know, our points of view and our opinions and our thoughts, are for some reason, for some reason, they're entertained by them. Well, and it could very well be that we're using as torture device in Gitmo. This is true, and in which case, um, I mean, I'm fine with that. I just need, because I, people I, are listening, but yeah. still. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think I want like a paycheck. If that's the case, <laughs> I think I need to be. I think I need to be reimbursed for that. I think I'm. You know, I, <laughs> there are, there are trials going on right now. I, I, I'm gonna get paid. Um, so, yeah, it's jury duty, six dollars a day. Oh, that's, geez, that's what you get. That's what I'm gonna get. Yeah, eh, eh, <laughs> it's better than what you're getting now, <laughs> I don't know what right? I'm gonna say, do I have to spend the whole day? <laughs> 
Although I do give you coffee. That's true. I do give That's you coffee. true. And, and and it is good coffee. So yeah, so it's interesting watching the the, the faces come and go. Mm-hmm. But we've seen so much changes that are happening over at IO nine in the last year. Well, yeah. not only that, but in the broader sense, of what's been going on with Gawker, right? I think IO9 is feeling a little bit of the fallout from that as well. Oh, sure. And you have to wonder a little bit. Well, I, anybody else, you don't have to, but I wonder if the if the problems Gawker has been having, you know, with the with the Hulk Hogan thing and the whatever, whatever that was when they were when they outed the brother of the Secretary of the Treasury or right, something, uh-huh, you know, sure. he, not a public figure. Well, and had that, no business doing any kind of reporting on speculation of the sort because that's really that, the, one of the oddest things about that story. Yeah, is he is not someone. Yeah, it felt like a hit piece just yeah. to be doing it, and really those weird. kind of things. You have to wonder if. Anna Lee and Charlie Jane saw the writing on the wall, and maybe they looked around and they went, this is not quite going to be helpful to be associated with these people very much longer. Well, I think, I think there's a couple things that could be. And then the Gizmodo, the, you know, the, the merger with Gizmodo, mm-hmm. that didn't help. Well, I think it's a couple of different things. I think that when you're so used to it being its own thing, even though they are a, they've been part of that umbrella for a long, long time. Since the beginning, yeah, yeah, they started at Gawker, right? So you have this, you have this distinction though, because it's io9.com, yeah, right. Now it's io9.gizmodo, yeah. So the so there's a perception thing, and and you know, anytime you're sort of even if it's only the perception, you're swallowed up by somebody bigger than you, right? Right. Even if you're still in control, I mean, there's all these different things that can play into it. But you know, we had Meredith go. Annalee, Charlie Jane, kind of the... Pretty much all the originals the are core, gone. The core, yeah, yeah. Gone. And when that happens, when you lose that core group of people who built it from the ground up, mm-hmm. who helped shape what the expectations of the readership is, yeah. I think it actually is... It's a, it's a hard thing. It's like, okay, so... The, I mean, the, okay, for the folks who maybe aren't uh, IO9 readers, if you say, say you watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Okay. Right. Trevor Noah comes in. Who's this? Young yeah, Trevor, Trevor Noah is never going to be John Stewart. You And but John Stewart wasn't John Stewart when he took over the Daily Show right. way back when, when it was still yeah, a comedy it's... show as opposed to a, uh, a satire show. Yeah. Because there is a distinction between uh, comedy and satire. So, um, it's it with the change. The change can be great. I mean, you've had, you know, um, and I'm not necessarily comparing any any writing on the internet to Johnny Carson in the Tonight Show. Oh, yeah. But, but you know what I mean? So yeah. you sit there and you might have you might have an amazing host come in after Johnny Carson, but no one's ever going to replace Johnny Carson. Right. And for those of you at home... Fallon does a great job. ...who don't know who well, Johnny Carson right. is. Yeah, Johnny Carson was the guy. Um, well, he, I mean, he invented... He wasn't, he wasn't the original talk show mm-hmm. host. But he defined it. Well, and it's funny because you, you mentioned you mentioned Carson when we were doing live from the bunker on a regular time, a regular basis. Uh, first, first as a live show, but you know it it evolved into an interview program, uh-huh. and it was a half hour. And one of the things that I had thought about is at the very beginning of all of that, when I was interviewing somebody. Mm-hmm. The, well, any any time that I interview someone, Carson is one of the ones that I refer back to. Sure. 
um, listening to him talk about how he interviewed people, his interview style, his process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do all of the research and you do all your, your study and your notes and whatever. But when it comes time to actually do the interview, you have a conversation with them. And it oh, can sure. go anywhere. And mm-hmm. that's that's something that has stuck with me all this time whenever I do an interview or if, I, if I'm workshopping and teaching other people how to do stuff. It's, you know, all of the study and the notes and everything are fine, but you have to be able to listen and follow the follow the path of the conversation and just kind of go where it goes and sure. be able to be able to recognize where you can steer it back to what you want to talk about. I think one of the most important things you can do in any, well, most of the important things you can do, period, is listen. I'm sorry, what? See? Yeah. And and, and as an inter- when you're interviewing someone, that becomes cr- absolutely crucial because if you're just going to focus on the things you want to ask them. Yeah. You can get the answers, but it's you're gonna you're missing out on the opportunity to have. Them. Yeah, you're just checking off a list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that we see with the Hugo fight. There's a lot of tone deaf, back and forth. I'm not gonna listen to you. La 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 la. I'm not I think listening. Not listening. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because we we only see the what we what made it out into the world. Yeah, <clears throat> we don't we don't see or hear any of the rest of the stuff. Although I, it gives me an idea for an ad. Oh, I'm sure. It does. <laughs> I suspect though that they have reached the point for the stuff that we haven't heard and seen. Mm. I think we, we have probably reached the point where they're just like, it doesn't matter what they say. Yeah. I can't hear them anymore anyway. And on either side, no, I don't, and unfortunately I don't think either side is listening to each other, which mm, we've talked about before that maybe what has to happen is that it has to blow up. Well, see, and, and I have, I have seen in a few places, um, an acknowledgement of Sad Puppies 4 motives, mm-hmm. an acknowledgement that Sad Puppies 4 has approached this and has made very, very specific uh, references to make sure everybody knows this is a recommendation list. Mm-hmm. This is not a slate. Nobody has to vote in lockstep or that. Mm-hmm. They've, they've done a lot of that. Right. And the people on the other side, the so-called social justice warriors, yeah, yeah, yeah. puppy kickers, they have acknowledged that Sad Puppies 4 is calling this a recommendation list. They've acknowledged that Sad Puppies is not rabid puppies and they're, right. they're doing all of this. But they don't care. It doesn't matter because they still think this is the wrong group of fans. Um, you know, it's... Not, ha- not, having, not having read much of, much of this particular, this year's battle. Because it makes me sad. I haven't dug into it too terribly much but yet. But I would be, I would be, I can't speak to that with the exception of the fact that after some of the stuff that people, the back and forth of last year. It's, yeah, we're, it's more of the same. I quite honestly don't know if I could blame anybody. It's more of the same. That they'd be sitting there and going, okay, well, that's great. Yeah. Congratulations, you said the words, and I don't care because you, I'm still mad at you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know. Um, we are going to read the books. And the stories. We're going to try to. We're going to try now. to. We're going to at least put uh, 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 make an effort because we are curious because it's stuff that's nominated, and mm-hmm. I haven't read uh, that one of it, from actually. that one from uh, what's his name Tinzer Tinger. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about. You're going to have to be um, more specific. We'll talk about that during the break. Okay, we'll come back to that uh, one. Yeah. yeah, we'll go back All to right. that one. Um, but it's yeah, it's. 
Well, and we're, we're going to be on the ground for that, too. So hopefully, yeah. my hope my hope is that it's a fun experience for us because we haven't been to a, to a Worldcon. No, no. And it's going to be a first for us. We haven't us. been to the Hugos. Right. I, I want to enjoy myself. Um, and, and now with our Twitch channel, mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll do a little bit on there. Maybe. And do a little bit on YouTube. It'd be like ESPN and ESPN2 and ESPN HD and ESPN <clears throat> Spanish and ESPN5. And... Okay. But so, don't you have to have the expanded Kate Basic to get that? <laughs> I mean, do you have to have... No, it's the internet. It's all free. Yes, the internet is all for free. Well, uh, well, and, and, and you mentioned that. the YouTube has got this new thing now called YouTube Red. Right. And... You, uh, with us being at a partner level, um, I think there's a thing somewhere, a button somewhere, where you can actually donate to the channel. Oh, okay. I think. Uh, and turns out there's one over on Twitch as well. Really? Where you could you can set. I, I don't know if we have to set something up or whatnot, but yeah, there's a there's a subscribe like subscribe for four ninety nine type of right. button thing mm-hmm. or whatever. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an opportunity for us to generate some revenue. I mean, that's certainly not the main goal going into it. No, no. I mean, yeah. I want to sit down with George R. R. Martin. Oh yeah. Oh, there, I, want, I, want, be I want one of us to have an interview with him. Somebody. There's, there's going to be. There's a lot of people I think, but I would love to be talking to there. Oh and, yeah. And without having to deal with, you know, um, people's opinions on you know. <sighs> yeah. We want to talk about the work. Yeah, that's well, what we want to talk know, about. Look, there's look. We there is no objective good when it comes to art, right? You can you people will fight this until they die, but if we all agreed on what good was, mm-hmm. we wouldn't need authors. We would just have this is the good this is this is the good science fiction novel, and we're done. Yeah, you know. So you know, but I want people to be exploring interesting things and playing with stuff and and finding ways to entertain me. Watched a movie. Watched a movie last night. Uh, uh, the Independent Filmmakers Coalition meeting. I uh, didn't like it. Guy came in and did a screening, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we used to say is, "Don't bore us." Right. It didn't bore me. I don't think I liked the movie, but I was. I, I was in. You know, I. I it was but interesting. You were engaged. I was engaged, and it was interesting what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he accomplished it. Yeah. But um, and that's the way I kind of look. You know, I look at a book too. It's like oh. You know, there are mo- more books that I like. I either like a book or I don't like a book. Versus, I did not like this book, but yeah. So, I'm curious. You know, I want to. I want to see what these books are like. I want to experience them as a reader and not be looking at them as a uh, social commentator mm-hmm. as much as a fan. Yeah. And hopefully, we can have that experience not only in bringing that event to our readers and our viewers but also just to have a good time because we one can hope we get to spend a little more we get to spend a little more free time at planet comic-con this year too that's the plan (laughs) (laughs) and we'll get into a little bit of that plus uh plus other discussions and talks after this break from superherostuff.com we'll go refill coffee mugs and uh, when we come back, we're, we're just, we're just, I guess it's a flotsam and jetsam night. It kind of is, yeah. Uh, just random bits and, and, and stuff. So we will continue that on the other side of this break uh, here on H2O. 
This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here, inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious Crumbs, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hello. Looking at the Hugo Award nominees. Um, another ancillary. This is, what, three years in a row that Anne Leakey has a book on the Hugo nominees. It's a popular, popular series. People really like it. three years in a row. Well, um, yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, have... I Heinlein didn't have that track record. Well... Clark, Asimov, yeah, nobody, nobody that back in the you know, day. I don't know, I don't know enough about her. I haven't read any of the books. I can't speak to their, their quality or the fact right. that... But, you know, hey, if they're depending on... If they're really good and people are buying them and enough of the fans are registered Hugo vote, uh, voters... A lot of people were pleased to what see Jim Butcher on yeah. that list, mm-hmm. uh, although he's he's not on the socially acceptable list to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, Lois McMaster Bujold with uh, Penrix Demon on Best Novella. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 70s, of course, uh, on the novel, Best Novel, uh, Neil Stevenson, who's had... Quite a few of his books have been nominated for a lot of different awards, so it's mm-hmm. not surprising to see it there. And that actually, see, and that's one of those that's on the Sad Puppies recommendation list mm-hmm. that everybody's sitting there going, it's a shield. They're making that recommendation because it's a shield. I was like, what? what how, can you, how can you ascribe any particular motives to a group if you're not part of that group? Okay. You know? But just, at the I, same, I well, but okay, the, on, on the other side of because that. Because all of the puppies' lists. I'm not talking about the rabid puppies, but all the sad puppies list every year mm-hmm. was a mix. Sure. It wasn't all old white guys writing books but about the, pew pew ray guns but and again, I think girls the, with short skirts. But I and, think at the same time there's been such bad bad blood between these things that and they've and the other side has been accused of so many, you know mm-hmm. it's I think the the blood is so bad. It's going to take a while before anybody's listening to anybody else. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So it I will. think that honestly, sure the will. only thing you, here, folks, here's what you do: look at the works, 
Make up your own mind. Yeah. Stay away from anybody who's picking a side. Well, Pick your and, own side. And it has been pointed out over the last 20 years or so. And this is one of the things that we had talked about going back to going back through the, the award winners mm-hmm. from previous years and sure. trying to figure out at what point does it, if it does, at what point do we get into the social engineering rather than telling a great story like some people say. And, and, well, yeah, and people and... have said that in the last 20 years or so, science fiction has the the, the recognized literati crowd mm. has has been more concerned with message fiction rather than entertaining fiction. But and you can make a distinction because well, you can, some, you some can stuff that gets you, preachy. Well, you can and you can't because I mean, again, we come back to something where it's perception. Whether well, you no, I no, I get that. I and, get that. And this is this. I think ultimately is kind of. But if if you're going to write a book mm-hmm. that preaches to me that makes tries to make a point to get me to think about a different point of view. Yeah, most of the time. And I hate if that you're going to write that book <laughs> in a way that doesn't entertain me, well, then it shouldn't be. Well, not only that's that's what some well, then people it are saying. They're going, you know, the quality of the storytelling, but that, should be, but that's so subjective. Paramount over the, but that's the preaching. so subjective, and that's uh, kind of the be. problem. And that, okay, I've been thinking about this a lot because I've I've made it clear on on an earlier show that some of the people involved very publicly in this, I. Based on what I've read of their own their writings on their own websites, I am not a fan of. Mm. Um, and I don't. We don't need to go into that now. But so much of this is, if you're left or right, conservative or liberal or whatever it is, you're coming in with a viewpoint of your own, and you're you're right. already applying it to something. And fiction, and I, you know, I actually was a book dealer for a long time, mm. fifteen years in the book world. Yeah, um, and. There are trends in the publishing genre that have nothing to do with somebody's politics or or anything. It's just what's selling. Because right. I'm going to I'm going to let you folks in on a shocking piece of news. <laughs> just like the movie studios, the publishers don't care. They yeah, care about what's selling. Yep. And so if you have and if, and if you have a book that sells, mm-hmm. that's uh, a redheaded space marine with a dog with three legs, and it does buku bucks, office it will, bucks. It will have many, many it imitators. Will, yeah, exactly. The, the next one will be a cat with no tail. Exactly. Yep. So, but if you are also selling um, the story of a uh, pansexual mutant. Um, Left wing politician, and for some reason, which sounds like a Char- <laughs> well, it should be. Well, it could be. It sounds. Uh, I'm sure you could, but to me, it sounds like a character in an ensemble cast. But that's mm-hmm. just me. Yeah. Um, somebody out there, prove me wrong. Write me a great one. But that's the main character. Anyway, if your political science fiction novels are a real thing, they have been for a very, very long time. But they're usually about the world you live in right now. Right. Because that's one of the great things about science fiction is that some of the best science fiction novels that have had a political or television shows. I mean, Twilight Zone, Star Trek. Where they've had a social message of any kind, mm-hmm. they're talking about now. They're they're yes. they're 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 asking you to look at the world you live in through yep. the lens nineteen eighty four. And some of those don't hold up. Let oh, that God, be your no. last battlefield. Yeah. I mean that and, and I think 
and that's something that gets pointed at because a lot of people are like, well, Star Trek. And, you know, yes, Star Trek was, it did have messages, and, mm-hmm. you know, the moral of the story. Sure. But it did it in a way that was wrapped inside the right. adventure well, story. Well, that's always and, the way it's supposed to, that's the way it should be in and any... That, and, in... And, they, and they point out, that's one, that's one of the reasons why Let That Be Your Last Battlefield doesn't work as well, because it was so overt on the message. Well... Not only rather that. than rather than the production quality of the story, There's, it was it was hey we're going to be in your face beating you about race relations. Yeah, but that, that was, was the, but that was also the same season as Spock's brain. I know, I know. And there were a lot and there of was budget. Yeah, and, and well, and, and and if you look at an episode like that, and and this is this is a lesson this is a lesson to anyone producing any kind of entertainment. Um, Brian Fuller, pay attention. Uh, when you are trying to tell a story that, that is about something other than what's on the tin, right? Mm-hmm. Star Trek is a story of, of the crew of the Starship Enterprise boldly going where no man has gone before, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. Wagon train to the stars. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So that's your story and what happens on the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're along the way, you want to look at 1960s race relations, which the show does very well at several episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, you talk about a, you write, you come across a culture where it's the metaphor for 1960s race relations, right? But you don't decide you want to talk about um, the state of the kids today and they're being <laughs> hippies. And they did that too. They did that too, and they did it poorly. Yeah, and you know, so it's and some of it, some of it is, some of it is the writing. Some of it's just heavy-handed writing, but some of it's also the butchering of a script in the course of adapting it for television. Do you mm-hmm. ever want to get Harlan Ellison off on a tear? Oh yeah. Uh, but I yes, it's it's easy to get it wrong. It's hard to get it right. When you get it right, it really really works. And that's kind of the problem when you get it wrong mm-hmm. is that it become it becomes heavy-handed. And there have been times in publishing where preachy has been in. Yeah. Um, and there's been times when you just want to sit there and scream. Um, I have more than once tried to explain to someone that um, if they wish to read, read read religious fiction, I was more than happy to point out a much better selection than anything of uh, uh, the Left Behind series. Oh yeah, I thought the Left Behind series was awful. I thought it was, and, and whether or not it doesn't matter what you believe, the writing was terrible. It was yeah. bad, bad writing. And as you can notice, the huge film franchise that it is inspired. Oh wait, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. But there's but if you want, so if you so folks who wanted religious fiction, I could tell them point out several other authors. Yeah, that, that those weren't the popular ones, right? And so you'd have these things where you know. The preachy could be popular, and it happened in science fiction. It happened in fantasy too. Chuck Tingle is the author I was thinking of earlier. Uh, he's a nominee on the best short story list with the story Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Yeah, I'm... This is the I'm... homosexual erotica story. Yeah. Also, also okay. on that list, if you were an award, my love... Yeah, which is a, which is a parody of the... Yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur one. Right, so... And I think the Space Raptor thing is also... Uh, I'm imagining a, a, a nod and a wink to that whole "if you sure. were a dinosaur, my love." Yeah, and I think crap. And I think to some degree, you know, that's not bad. Honestly, first of all, if it, if if they're funny, science yeah, science fiction fantasy, good. science fiction fantasy humor, all in favor of. 
Yeah, we don't have enough. There's, we don't have yeah, enough no. humor in science fiction. Um, but I clearly, also, yeah. <laughs> okay, just look at the Hugo Awards. People with senses of people, Well, yeah. and the thing is, is that some of this stuff it's tough to get. They're getting um, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. or a uh, you know t- t- Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratt. Terry Pratchett. Uh, has won precious few awards. He's won several, quite a few awards. Yeah. But this is a guy who outsold uh, the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry Terry Pratchett is a huge, huge thing in, in the UK. Not so much in you know, the US. Yeah, he's bigger than J.K. Rowling. Bigger, bigger than J.K. Rowling. Uh, I think J.K. was probably caught up to him at this point. Mm. But he's also not publishing current, anything currently because, right. you know. And his career was longer. And his career was longer. But... Um, still, nonetheless, you know, he's huge. And the idea that somehow, you know, for a lot of audiences, it's Neil Gaiman doing good omens with him was their entry point, American yeah. audiences, because, of course, the same explosion of Sandman here, the interesting Gaiman stuff. But... And that's on Best Graphic Story, Sandman Overture. Yeah. No. Which was also on the puppies list, so mm-hmm. everybody's just wringing their hands going, yeah, uh, uh, but the puppies nominated him, what do I do? Well, you know, here's, here's, here's the answer to that question, and folks, if anyone at the Hugos is listening to this, again, um, if, it's, if, it's, if it's something... Vote for what you think is good. Exactly. And if you, well, and if you, th- if you happen to think the one that, that gives you, and if they're, again, haven't read these, hmm. but if, you, if there's one there that is, is a, it's a message story, and you happen to think it's the best one, then vote for it. Oh one, yeah, unquestionably. I mean, even even the message, and I and I'm and I don't want anybody to think that I'm that I'm sitting here thinking that message fiction has no place in science fiction because it does. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm perfectly fine if you want to try to make a point with your story. But actually, you should you should always try and make a point with your story, whether or not that's point, the point of your story. The point needs to be wrapped up in a story that entertains, and oh, that's sure. that's one of the things. Um, I find it interesting though. I'm sorry. I've got a I've got a thing about my tooth. It's a weird thing. I, what I find interesting is the the complaining about the nominees, uh, the nominations from people who should know better. You know, people people who don't know. You know, the wrong the whole wrong fans argument mm. that is being made out there for a long time. The Hugos were in danger of falling into obscurity because the attendance numbers have never been really high. And this is something I actually uh, we were talking was talking to uh, a friend of mine, uh, somebody that we know, who was involved in the local literary science fiction convention sure. conquest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was telling me the the one year that he was chair. They did some more popular guests, you know, it's a little bit more uh, mainstream pop culture-ish stuff. And it's one of the few times that convention has been rather successful. Mm-hmm. And they didn't ask him back because they resented the fact that it was not as literary. He said they were very, very nose in the air about all of this. And he makes the point that a lot of those people are the same people that are involved in in this year's Mid-Americon 2, which is hosting Worldcon here. So I'm going to be interested to see just how, I don't want to say snooty, but that that attitude of, uh, and I haven't run into this, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that, that these people are like this, because I haven't, I haven't experienced this at all from anyone. 
but this air of if it's not literature, it's not worthy. I haven't I haven't run into that yet. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm I'm very curious because to some degree, science fiction, pulp, pulps, science mm-hmm. fiction, genre fiction is often the redheaded stepchild. And my apologies and to all redheaded stepchildren. And, and people don't recognize that that's where science fiction started. Right, and it's science all, fiction has never been literature like like. Like well, Shakespeare, or well, or but I, I think I think there's an interesting an interesting mindset Hemingway that that has developed, and I I'm not sure how quite to get away from it because literature, again, book dealer, okay, mm, right, book dealer and and voracious reader. So I have got more books and well, I don't know. You, I think you, I think you f- actually physically have more books than I do. But I'm also not willing to sit there and double count because <laughs> um, I got stacks on the floor and stuff in the closet, and yeah. you know, um, a lot of great literature is unreadable. Oh yes. Okay, and it was it was great because it, it did something new. Moby Dick. You don't have to like it to recognize it's great literature. Mm-hmm. Um, great does not always mean entertaining. Right. Important. High impact. Yeah, and important yeah. doesn't always mean entertaining either. And also remember that some things were not written for you. They are written for an audience of 50 years ago or 100 years ago. And right. that's a different audience sometimes. No, I get that. Um, Dracula. Okay, so Dracula. Classic, classic horror novel. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. People are very, very surprised when they read it to realize it's a bunch of letters. Yeah. It's not a dramatic narrative. It's, Dear Jonathan... Today, I went down to the park, and the hor- the scary part lies in in the pieces in in between, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's the buildup. It's the buildup, and and that so much so much of when things were written, Lovecraft was effective as a horror writer in many ways because he was writing in a nineteenth century style. Yeah, and so it was odd, and then, of course he had all all those that amazing vocabulary. It really kind of depends on who you're writing it for. If, um, if you know, Jules Verne was writing for an audience that wanted to have, be caught up in adventure. Yeah. And published in, you know, it was, things were published in short chapters. Um, the Penny Dreadfuls, which, of course, were the beginnings of all pulp, no- pulp novels, really. Right. Um, you know, they were, they were meant to titillate and shock and disturb and make you want to come back and give you the penny the next time they, the next one came out, you know. Um, How dreadful. I know. Uh, shocking. <laughs> but, so so some of this stuff, if you look at it, you know, some it, you can see it very recently, too. I mean, if you go back 20, 30 years, some of the stuff that was popular, just popular in terms of sales, mm-hmm. is kind of like, why do we care? I think one of the reasons Logan's run has been so hard to adapt. Right is that it was written at a time for an audience that actually was concerned about overpopulation in a way that we aren't right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very, that was very much a social novel. Yeah. Um, and it was made into a very popular movie. It wasn't a very good movie, but it was popular. We, you know, I, and, I, I got a, and a TV series. And I, yeah, which was, which was less good. Mm. Uh, but, and I enjoyed the movie, and I watched the TV show. I was a kid when that TV show was on, mm. and I watched it. I, there were not 
a lot of good science fiction on in the seventies, kids. I'm really sorry. There wasn't. So Man from Atlantis. Man from oh, I I wanted the resolution to that storyline, and I still do. <laughs> Where's my Man from Atlantis reboot, guys? Reboot. Of all the shows you haven't rebooted yet, you haven't rebooted Man from Atlantis. You know one one of the ones that that I'm surprised hasn't gotten a reboot yet is I Dream a Genie. Because they had talked about it at one point. You remember they were talking about Jenny Garth. It was right at right, right. At coming out of nine hundred two one zero. They were talking about doing an I Dream of Genie reboot at that point, and Jenny Garth and Sandra Bullock were the two names that kept getting bandied about, and the whole thing fell apart for whatever reason. And we've never remember, seen an I Dream of Genie. Do you reboot. remember the Bewitched movie? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which kind of wasn't a reboot, but was right. Sort of. But it also wasn't very successful. And I no, think I think that probably I think that little trend there, which and we've talked about this before, is where they would they would make a movie based on a TV show where they clearly didn't understand the TV show. Yeah. They understood a memory Starsky TV Hutch. show. Starsky and Hutch was the worst. That was du- not... Well, no. Dukes of Hazard was worse than Starsky and Hutch. No. So I think that I think that that's... I think somebody might have killed the project just because they sat there and went, these aren't making enough money. No. And we're not, and we're not getting the feed... We're, we're getting trashed by people who are actually fans of the shows. I I I'm, I guess maybe it's something we could ask Barbara Eden when she's at Planet Comic Con. We could. Someone's talked to her. Say, hey, Barbara, is anybody doing a reboot? Well, and you know, I, I also I also think that it would be a strange thing because it was again it was a product of its time. Mm-hmm. I think that there would be there would be a lot more women viewers now who would sit there and go, "Hang on, she's what? She's." His servant? What? I'd be like, yeah, man. And you know what I mean? I think it's right. I think that the 1960s, it was a different kind of entertainment, and audiences were expecting different things. Mm-hmm. I think it could be done. I'm not saying it couldn't be done because because a genie is an is an interesting, uh, whether it's a male ge- a gin, yeah. or a genie, um, there's stuff to tell. Uh, Neil Gaiman did a one of one of his most story co- recent story collections did a story about a genie. Oh, right. Okay. And basically, he, the genie shows up, and, and he's talking to the young lady who has rubbed the lamp. And he goes, what three wishes do you want? And she goes, I don't want anything. I'm good, thanks. And she just doesn't wish for anything. And he hangs around, and they get to know each other. And it goes from there, because she's not wishing for anything. And mm. it kind of completely flips it, right? Yeah. So, so I think it could be done, but I think also it's... I think it would be a, you'd almost have to have a super fan, someone who really got it, mm-hmm. so they could find that balance that would make it something that would work for a modern audience, because it was very, it was a very much a, um, it had the trappings of a very patriarchal show. It was right. subverted a lot, because of course she stepped in to save the day. Sure. But I think it could be really, if, if you didn't have the right writer. It could come across. Oh yeah, really, it could go sideways really easily, really quick. So, yeah. and I think people might have said that. People might have just no. I don't want to touch that one. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, ah. <laughs> I want to keep my career. Stop. You, no. you know what I want before I see I Dream of Genie rebooted? Pray tell. I want Zatanna on the CW. Uh yeah, sure. I would. From I would Greg Berlanti and company. I yeah, that would be. And okay. I wanted to replace Arrow because I'm I'm getting tired of Arrow. Are you tired of Arrow too? I'm tired of Arrow. Arrow's Arrow's just. Gone off the rails. I tell you me. what, Arrow needs next season. We need to get, we just just go to next season. Just completely, you know. Just, yeah. If you haven't if you haven't caught up with this season, just go to next season. Skip forward five years and bring in Hal Jordan. Give us, 
Give us Green Arrow. Give us Green Arrow yeah, and the beard. The real one. Give us Green Arrow and the beard, and and characters who may or may not have died can come back because it's comic books. I would, yeah. I don't understand why. And well, I do. I do know because they can't get. They can't have Hal Jordan. But I would love to see somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's the TV or the movie. Uh, and we're not getting a Green Arrow movie at this point yet, but um, at some point down the road we might. Mm-hmm. I would love to see somebody take on the the, the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams years. Well, you know what I think you could I, do that on TV. Well, you could do it on TV, and I think you could you could because unfortunately we are not too far removed from some of the same issues now. Yeah, some of the same social um, issues are still relevant, and even the ones that are changed. They've changed in ways they're still relevant. So yeah. I think you could do that. And honestly, you could have a very, very interesting show because we're seeing this now. We saw it, it, it very heavy-handed in Batman versus Superman. We're seeing it from what we hear in Captain America Civil War where they're looking at superheroes and asking them what, how they exist in the world. Yeah, And that was the cool thing about that run because it took two characters and put them on in, in the middle of... The world in well, the ma- not just two characters, but you had the cop and the hippie. Yeah, and well, it's, you had you had the the counterculture, and you had the establishment. Yeah, and whatever, however you want to call it, or or labels you want to apply to it, we still have that. In fact, that's like that's actually the core. Of, that's the odd couple, and it's like the core of of storytelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like put two characters in conflict in a small space. Sit back and watch. Yeah, um, get out the popcorn. Exactly, and and when handled well, and again, social commentary that's handled well, mm-hmm. um, some of it doesn't age well necessarily because writing styles change, and some of it was very, uh, some of it was a little in your face. I still think that they have much to answer by making Roy Harper uh, a drug addict. Um, There's some, but good... that was actually the f- I think the fir- maybe the first time. I think, yeah. They took on that subject in comic books. And it was very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has also been one of those things where it's like, how long is he still, you know, it's, it's, it's been a rough, it's been a rough time for Roy, for, yeah. for Red Arrow, for Arsenal, for Speedy. For a long time. For a long time. Uh, and especially considering that, you know, you know kid and mm-hmm. girlfriend. And I want Young Justice season three. I do too. Uh, and there were, you know, rumors Oh, I know. They, oh, continue, I they continue to fly. Don't, I, okay, I'm not going to say stop talking because I want to hold out that glimmer of hope that mm. I'm going to get it. Because it was... Okay. Well, after, no. after the show, wait till after we finish talking, but then go out and binge watch. Mm-hmm. You know, Go find season one and two and binge watch it. Uh, Nolan North and Troy Baker are going to be at Planet Comic Con mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, we're getting to moderate their panel. Yes. That is going to be a question. Yes. Has anybody talked to you guys yet about season three? What's the word? I will tell you this. Um, because the Hugos doesn't just cover literature. It also covers the film and media and, mm-hmm. and comic yep. books and things like that. Uh, best dramatic presentation long form. There's a film on here I am very happy to see. Mm. Uh, Ex, Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, that is a film that got... A lot of critical praise and not enough awards. And she's the new Lara Croft. That's right. The actress, the actress lead in that is the new Lara Croft, and it is. 
it is a quieter film. It's a smaller film, I mm. guess we, we'd call it. More self-contained. But it's also one of the best artificial intelligence uh, AI movies I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, also, if you, it's not on here, um, and it's a different vibe, but it's it's The Machine, um, which was a British production starring Katie Lott. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, very different tone, but also a question, it's a lot of questions about what it means to be an intelligent you know, thinking machine. Mm. Um, it's a weird thing where, of course, you'll have like four or five films all out from different studios that are kind of about the same thing, sure. but not quite. Sure. Because it's a thing. Because it, it happens. And so that's more of your um, adventure, dr- dramatic, you know, tension kind of filled. And as I'm sorry, more of a yeah, both of them have tension. That's more your action adventure versus uh, Ex Machina, which is more of a uh, thinking, right? You know, a discussion about AI. Mm-hmm. So it's they're both very very interesting. So I definitely I'm very happy to see that Mad Max Fury Road. On there too, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I really enjoyed that film. Yeah. Um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Of course, of course. Shockingly, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron and The Martian, uh, which. Oh, I gotta say, you know, the the knee jerk reaction is to sit there and go Star Wars, of course, but really, when you when you stop and think about it. There were so many different ways that movie could have gone. Wrong. Oh sure. Oh, and when I say of course, I, I it it shouldn't be construed as a of course. It's a yeah. Star Wars. It's it, Star Wars. Of course. Yes. You know. Yeah. It could have gone very very poorly. And for all the fact that we've all we, everyone knows, of course, and acknowledges. I mean, they've acknowledged the, the, the directors and crews and everybody has acknowledged. It took the form of. The first Star Wars film, mm-hmm. you know, it deliberately echoed that, right? So that you, it got us in the door. It got us. It made it. You know, so now we're there. We we've seen it, and they've got more stories to tell us. So yeah, they've, and and we've talked about the, Force, well. the fact the fact that the Force Awakens is just it's well, it's like a superhero movie almost, where you have to take you have to tell the origin story before you can tell the story you really want to tell. Right, yeah. You know, because every, you know, how many how many times are we going to see ba- uh, Bruce Wayne's parents die? What? Bruce Wayne's parents die? What? Huh? What? I didn't say that. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, but, or, or Uncle Ben. You know, how many how many times have we got? What happened Spider-Man? to Uncle Ben? <laughs> well, he was I... out in the rice field. Ba-dum-bum-bum. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you, you, you have to tell that first story in order to establish your world and your universe and your characters and all that and, and get everybody familiar and say, okay, this is who we've got. Now let's go tell our real story. But then and trust, I think then The Force Awakens did the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I it's agree. It's basically, you know, the Lucasfilm team, you have Kathleen Kennedy's, J.J. Abrams, all of them coming in and basically saying, okay, this is the movie where we show you we get it. Mm-hmm. Which is important. Yeah. You have to, I mean, yeah, you have you have to, to let to them est- know it's in the right hands. Yeah, you're st- it's, the, it's the establishing the trust movie mm-hmm. more than anything else. And yes, nostalgia was a big factor in that, but we've seen films where nostalgia is part of the movie, but it ends up being kitschy. I mean, Starsky and Hutch, I mentioned yeah. that before. You know, Starsky and Hutch is, is a egregious in its violation of that. 
Um, Dukes of Hazard was another one. I mean, the only reason I went to see Dukes of Hazard was for the car and Linda Carter. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't go anything because I knew it was going to be bad just looking at the trailers. Because I'd already seen Starsky and Hutch. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be another one of those. Yeah, and I think I'm, I think it's not. You end up looking at this stuff in a weird kind of filter if you are of a certain age. I mean. And and a lot of people don't look at stuff the way that we do. I mean, right. we That's we true. we are wired to look at this stuff with a very critical eye, and to recognize that some of the stuff that was great when we were kids has not aged well, mm-hmm. and was very much. I mean, okay, Knight Rider has not aged well. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There were some. There are some episodes that still hold okay, up. Some episodes. Yeah, I'm not very many episodes. I'm rewatching Deep Space Nine. Uh, and I'm in. Yeah. I'm into season two. Mm-hmm. And that's a show that got better as it, it went along. It did, and and I've heard that uh, one of the reasons it got better is because when Ronald Moore and Brandon Braga mm-hmm. ended up running the show toward the the back half of that, right? When Rick Berman basically kind of stepped back, mm-hmm. and they were able to do the whole Dominion War thing that they sure. wanted to do from the beginning. Um, that's when it got good. Is because then it became a war movie. And, uh, you know, watching some of the early episodes of that show, the one, the one thing that strikes me more than anything else mm-hmm. is just how green and arrogant Julian Bashir started out. Oh, yeah. And I didn't remember that because, you know, as he got, he's probably, he's, he had probably a lot, of, a lot more story, character development than any of the rest of them in terms of maturity of um, the character. Yeah, in terms of growth, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Sure. Yeah, because when he showed up in, in, in early episodes, I, I forgot O'Brien didn't like him at all. Right. And they end up being the best of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time you get around to, uh, to Trials and Tribulations in, in season five, I mean, I, they, they've, that whole growth, you can't do that in a film. You can't no, do that in a movie. No, you can't. And I think that it's it helped it helped that they allowed themselves to do something different. Because mm-hmm. we we yeah. we had gotten so used to the model, the Star Trek model. Star Trek the original series, Star mm-hmm. Trek's next generation. And we expected that. And they kind of started off that way, even though it didn't really fit because it's on a space station, which doesn't move. Yeah. I like the fact that they didn't all get along all the time. That's one of the things that I didn't like about Next Generation mm-hmm. is Roddenberry had put in this mandate. Shiny, that happy said, Exactly. Yeah. You know, you're on, the, <laughs> you're on the hotel enterprise. Right. The kid's driving the bus. Uh-huh. And everybody gets along. Yeah. And it was so bland. Yeah, well, I, all of your conflict had to come from outside, and and life doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. I think it's important that that they allow themselves to play and also to go into the gray areas. Because Star Trek, for all the fact that Star Trek is an optimistic look at the future, mm-hmm. and it's a hopeful look that we are gonna be good enough to each other that we're not gonna kill each other before we get to cool things like you know warp drives. Um, the the idea that somehow human nature is gonna change. Completely in yeah. 300 years, and we and we didn't even get that in the original series. You know, Kirk is a very flawed character. He can be violent. He can be angry. He can be emotionally damaged. I mean, they we, they allowed us to play. You know, they played that that story yeah. there, and lost it. But when by the time we got to Next Generation, it was kind of like, nope, nope, no. They no, must no. all get along. And so to finally have that 
you know, when you basically out of the gate, your main mm-hmm. character of the show looks at Picard and basically says, "I really kind of would like you to die." Um, yeah, you know, and he just thought, you know, he hated him. Um, well, and 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 you know, Roddenberry wanted the original Star Trek to be more like that, that whole mm-hmm. utopian, everybody gets along thing. And, you know, you've got people on the back end, you've got Gene Kuhn, you've got Stephen Carabastos mm-hmm. and the writers sitting there saying, okay, but where's our conflict? Yeah. If they all get along, where's, the, where's the conflict? Um, Gene. But without those shows, we would not have been able to have the scene of, Cisco sitting recording how he basically conspired and committed conspired and committed a war crime to get the Romulans on the mm. side of the Federation. Mm. Yeah. And and for us to still be sympathetic for his character. Yeah, because by that time you understand the desperation. And you I mean he he does something that is heinous. He commits he I mean he he does a terrible, terrible thing. And if you folks, if you have not seen this episode, what's wrong with you? Go back and watch Deep Six Nine. Um but yeah, it's it he commit he does something awful. And we sit there and go, That is an awful, awful thing that we you did. Are you gonna be okay? You know? Yeah. I mean it's and you had to you had to get there and you had to have that you had to work yourself to that point to get to the to where the you would believe that the world that the Star Trek characters, you know, by this point you were you were invested in mm, in right. Next Generation and, and Deep Space Nine, and that's I think the downfall of Voyager, and where a lot of people didn't enjoy it as much was that it was so ordinary after that point. I mean, yeah. even even with the with the situation, it, it felt you know when you're you it, it felt very it felt very too familiar because mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine had gone so far away from the 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 original idea that you almost wanted something completely new. Right. So it didn't happen. I'm looking forward to the next series. I am too, and I'm interested to see now that... Um, if we ever get to see it. we Well, we will, at least the first episode. Mm. The first episode will be, you know, out there for the world to see. Yeah. The, they, uh, they registered Star Trek four. Saw that, yeah. So, but they would they would do that anyway. It doesn't mean sure, anything, right? That's just you know, if you're if you're a studio, you sit there and go and we'll register Star Trek for now. No, you know, it's on the list of things to do. <laughs> you know, I just I I just I yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people are more excited about the TV show than, than anything else because it sounds like it sounds like they're really wanting to do something that's going to do the other shows proud. Well, and the fact that it's set in the Prime Universe, that, that sells it right there for a lot of people. But then also that you've got Brian Fuller and you've got Nicholas Meyer mm-hmm. on board. That, oh, yeah. That, well. you know, creates a, a nice little safe unicorns full of candy space for people. And hopefully we get uniforms full, you know, unicorns full of candy. Yeah, and I think, I think that there's a reason to hope for that and also a way to maybe lure some of the folks who are enjoying Star Trek because of the new movies because of, mm. of, of a certain age that, that could very easily be That's the case true. yes but also give them a, a, a way to, to lure them in and and uh, expose them to the original the original timeline you like that you should see the real one that's right so it's I, like it's like um, having the fake leather <laughs> And the rich Corinthian leather. That's right. You know, there's a difference. That's right. There's a difference. Your imitation stuff, you know, your faux stuff doesn't work that well. Well, 
<laughs> Fashion tips on H2O. That's right. Yeah. All right. That's that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to wrap up our, our conversation. If you have uh, thoughts or comments or if you have suggestions for topics, things that you would like us to discuss, uh, you can send us a note, H2O at SciFiForMe.com. We would love to hear from you. We would. And uh, you can also leave us a comment on all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Tumblr, YouTube, and now Twitch for video games. Uh, and uh, we will be out at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, Bartle Hall, in a couple of weeks. So come and visit us out there. We will be having a, an hour on Saturday where we will be recording our 115th episode. And uh, also out there, I think we'll be recording a Zompocalypse Now episode, if, That's I, the plan. if I understand that right, uh, which you can catch on iTunes or uh, over at podcast.com along with all of our other hey, uh, and if you, shows. If you listen to a podcast on iTunes, if you would be so kind as to like it or rate it or let us know that you were there. Yes. Because the fine folks over at iTunes do not share their data, and that's fine. We understand yes. that completely. That is proprietary information. But we have absolutely no idea how many people are listening exactly. to us over at iTunes. And we would like to know because we, we, we can find we, – we actually know what podcast.com, they give us that information. Yeah. Um, we actually can see what kind of downloads and plays. And that's, that's cool. We're happy to see that. But we, we don't get any of that information from iTunes. And we would love to. So let us know. Yes. Um, we would we want to know that you, you're, you're listening to it. And if you're enjoying it, let us know that you're enjoying it too. And if you're not enjoying it, why are you then, listening? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also would like for you to uh, feel free to share uh, oh, links, uh, not only not only for our podcast, but also uh, the stuff that we post over at SciFiForMe.com. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Timothy Harvey. Always a pleasure, sir. My coffee mug. And, uh, and you, our <laughs> faithful dear listeners. We appreciate you so much. We do. We do. We're, we're glad to have you. We're glad to keep you. Those of you who've stuck around for all this time, we we appreciate your your longevity <laughs> and patience and um, indulgence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, there's a lot of indulgence going yeah, on. Yeah, there is. All right, and we and we will let you indulge with us again next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. 